Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and live hitting is here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 259. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Ben Fennell and Chris McPherson about everything that happened this morning at the NovaCare Complex. And we had, as I mentioned, live hitting to the ground, live tackling drills, and really a scrimmage kind of format here for the Eagles on Friday morning. Uh, it was a really lengthy practice, about two hours. Uh, a lot of fun being able to be out there and, and watch the actions. We're going to go through almost blow by blow here. Uh, make sure you go check out. I went, th- I did a very thorough practice notes for Friday's practice, and I did it in kind of diary format. Uh, I was the, uh, writing solo on the practice notes this week, so uh, or t- on Friday's practice. So you can go and just check out basically my thoughts uh, as I just wrote everything on you know to paper as practice was going on. So go check that out on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles mobile app. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right in now. Ben Fennell, Chris McPherson, it's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, guys. So as I mentioned at the top, we had a live hitting today, and it was a really fun practice, a long practice. It went until about 1230. Uh, there was a lot – even the periods that weren't live to the ground, um, it, was a, it was a physical practice, a lot, a lot of good sticks from the defense, uh, ball carriers lowering their shoulder. Um, you know, it was at high energy. It was hot out there. It was a, it was a really fun practice uh, to, to be able to take in. The, the Eagles got some good work in uh, on Friday morning. C-Mac, uh, we'll go to you as we have over the last few days uh, at the very jump. Who are the guys that you know, give us the updates on injuries and vet days off and things like that? All the fun stuff here. So bit of an illness going through the building, not COVID. Okay, let's let's you know pump the brakes on that. Everybody sees illness and thinks, oh, is there an outbreak? No, but just a different sort of illness because Deontay Burnett, Rasul Douglas, Sharif Miller, and Jalen Rager all sidelined today because of an illness. Uh, Zach Ertz had a day off, upper body, day-to-day, and safety Marcus Epps, a lower body injury. He's day-to-day as well. So we're going to add those guys to the following who have been sidelined. Derek Barnett, Dallas Goddard, Javon Hargrave, Sidney Jones, Miles Sanders, and Boston Scott, all with their respective injuries. So Fran, I'll give you a second to go through the depth chart. Uh, One note here from John Clark, uh, NBC uh, Philadelphia says that Sidney Jones expected to return to action next week and crucial time. I mean, there's not a yeah. lot of time, but that, that cut down day, September 5th is coming very, very quickly. I know that this was the first live hitting day. It, it feels like this was really the first, you know, trinket really getting underway here, but there just isn't that much time before. I, I, I think all the reporters, the national reporters were tweeting last night, you know, three weeks and it's the opener yeah. Chiefs Texans right so it, it's coming fast people yeah no, no question and to your to your point today did feel like the first you know it, it felt like training camp this week but today like it was a lot more hooting and hollering from the sidelines uh you know like I said the the energy was good the pads were popping like it was just it was a really good day of work 
uh, out there. You mentioned no Zach Ertz today. Obviously, no Dallas Goddard as well, the uh, third day in a row. So uh, the tight end depth chart went Josh Perkins uh, with the first string, and then you had a couple of young guys, Caleb Wilson uh, and Tongiai from Oregon State, the undrafted free agent. They're kind of rounding things out. Uh, Jalen Rager and Deontay Burnett, as you mentioned, were out. So uh, a lot of John Hightower and Quez Watkins working uh, with that second unit. Um, no Sidney Jones, no Rizal Douglas. So uh, you saw Craig James uh, and Jaquette get the second team reps at corner. Josh Sweat, who had that illness, did return to the lineup today. Um, Fletcher Cox, who had the vet day off yesterday, Thursday, did return as well. So we got to see the uh, starters on defense, the starters on offense. Dude, it was a, it was a fun day. No one on one action, but they got things going. And the, the way I kind of do the, do it is this way. By the way, uh, for those of you, I did my uh, my notes, my practice notes. <clears throat> wrote solo th- for today's action, so went with a little bit of a different format today, where I kind of went like diary and time stamped it. It resulted in a uh, a little bit of a longer piece than normal. C-Mac, Shocker, <laughs> jeez! I, I mean, I get I get the privilege and the honor <laughs> of editing your Eagle Eye in the Sky columns during the season. Which look, I learn a ton from them. They're outstanding. If you love just football, pure football content, and want to learn more about the game, they're outstanding. But there are times where I sit there and it'll be like Monday night. 10 o'clock, you've had your shoots all day, you had your film study all day, and it's like, dang, man, this is <laughs> here, 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 like, here's 7,000 words for you. To, for you. Get, let me get, let me get, let me get a coffee here and uh, let, let's get this bad boy. Well, rolling. you're throwing off people's routine if they assume they can get through the practice notes in five minutes. Maybe they're buzzing through it before their bus comes or the train. All of a sudden, you better account for 15, 20 minutes today. Completely different schedule, you know? Well, look, it was the first day of hitting to the ground. Like, I got to give, give the people what they want. This is the first real action since... Hey, Fran, uh, let me ask you a question. Reading through your notes, is it just me, or did we see a lot more ones versus ones type of action? Is, yes. Now, in the past, it's always been a first team versus second team. Defense, first team against second offense, and X, Y, and Z. Seeing a lot of ones versus ones on your notes here. I really like seeing that. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of good on good uh, today. It hadn't necessarily been that way throughout most of the week. Um, you know, it's been a lot of ones versus twos, but today with it being kind of like that scrimmage format, and and I guess I'll just kind of go into that. They had a seven on seven at the very beginning, but then they had a scrimmage that was like, I don't know, I would go through my notes. It was like 35, 40, 45 plays long where basically they just rolled the ball out and said like, okay, we're going to go in scrimmage format. So, uh, we're going to start with a kickoff and then the first team offense going up the first, first team defense. You've got the ability to move the ball down the field. They start on the 25-yard line. If they go three and out, if they drive down for a touchdown, if they have to kick a field goal, they got to kick a punt, whatever it is, they just they play the series out. And after that series ends, second team on defense, second team on offense comes out, uh, and they go on from there. So uh, they did that for – I mean, it felt like it was like at least an hour uh, on Friday, which was good to see. You know, with no joint practices, no preseason games, do you envision there being more scrimmage-like, team-like – drills and atmospheres heading into the regular season just to prepare them for the lack of organized you yeah. know, games and practices against outside competition and just the level of urgency right because that that definitely hops up especially with the with the live tackling at certain points so um yeah that wouldn't shock me and we we usually do see like one or two of these a year uh, a summer i should say um you know so it's not a shocker that this happened but uh yeah it, it wouldn't shock me if we see it at least once for sure one more time but it wouldn't shock me if we saw it like two or three more times uh, before, you know, before camp closes, um, you know, here in a couple of weeks. So, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And we'll, we'll just kind of, the way we'll kind of get through this is 
I'll just kind of buzz through my notes. If you want to take get in the full experience of the day, make sure you go check out those notes uh, at the end of the day, Friday on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles mobile app. But um, first team offense comes out first, the first team defense and the defense had the, had the win to start things off. Uh, it was a turnover on downs. The biggest play really came from uh, Rodney McLeod who got a stop in the run game down close to the line of scrimmage. And I guess that kind of plays guys um, to what we were talking about was it yesterday, the day before here on the podcast about, uh, you know, Rodney McLeod seeing a little bit more time close to the line of scrimmage with Jalen Mills also rotating back playing in the post. Uh, Rodney was down close to the line. There was a, a perimeter run play over to that side. He did a nice job of getting into the back. And I wasn't sure if he was able to get off a block. It was on the far side of the field, but he was able to avoid contact, get back there and get the TFL defense uh, was psyched on the opening draft. I, th- I was thinking about with McLeod, I forget which Falcons game it was because they've played the Falcons seems like every year, but there's a couple times where he's been utilized as a blitzer and he's been quite effective in that role. So if the, if the safeties are a little more interchangeable, you can disguise, we talked about the importance of disguise and that's really a big thing is you don't want to say, all right, right. McLeod's line up here. We know what the play is going to be. Okay. It's, it's, all about being positionless. I know that's the, the buzzword here, you know, from last year into this year, but it's really just trying to confuse opposing offenses and not let them know what's coming for them. It was the, uh, the 2017, it was the 2017 divisional round. It was a third down. I want to say, was it the first play of the fourth quarter bed uh, where he blitzed off the edge and got the sack of Matt Ryan. It was a huge play in the game. Um, yeah, that was a, a very good point. Um, all right. So the, the second groups come out, second team offense, second team defense, Defense, again, gets the win. They, they force a three and out uh, on that series against the second-team offense. Uh, the biggest play coming from uh, Craven LeBlanc, who g- gets the best play with a, a pass breakup down the field on a fade route. LeBlanc uh, gave up a couple plays today. I thought that, you know, he, oh, for the most part, I think we talked about him yesterday, I feel like he's had a strong camp so far or through the first week. Um, but did, did give up a couple of plays today. But uh, this pass breakup was a really impressive one downfield uh, on a fade. I just think that he's going to be a he, he's going to give them a really tough decision on the inside. Obviously, you know you've got Nikel Roby Coleman who's getting getting the, the majority of the reps uh, along the inside. I guess the question now becomes, and special teams will come into this, but uh, you know how many pure slot corners are you going to keep on the roster? Now, LeBlanc did play on the outside in Seattle last year, and I, that helps having that versatility. But it's going to be an interesting decision, and he's going to make it a tough one here this summer. That's why I think a big thing, you know, I mentioned Sydney at the top of the show. It's important for him to get on the field because, you know, you figure got Darius Lay, Max has pretty much been the starter from day one on the opposite side. Yep. Uh, Roby Coleman and LeBlanc there. You know, Jones has got to get in that competition. I know Rasul Douglas has been out there. He's been battling. He was sick today, but he's been battling out there. You know, this has quickly become a very competitive group. I mean, this is, a, again, another area of the team where you really want to see some changeover from last season. Too many big plays allowed. Well, they addressed the, the, the safety position, you know, by bringing in Will Parks, drafting Kayvon Wallace, moving Jalen Mills there. Okay, now you want to see that competition come through in the cornerback position. You know, are they going to keep five? Are they going to keep six? I mean, there's just not – it goes back to that time. There's just not a lot of time for guys to really assert themselves. It's days like today where you got to really try to make those gains. Yeah, no question. So the, the second-team offense, uh, they, they are forced to punt. That brings up the first team again. So first-team offense against first-team defense. The offense bounces back with a touchdown drive here, and the most impressive part about this was they got a, the defense got a big sack 
on second down. And before I get to the rest of the drive, I just want to comment. This sack came from Malik Jackson. And C-Mac, to your point, I thought you brought up a great point uh, earlier this week on the show where you talked about, look, this is the first time we've really got an extensive look here this summer with Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson on the field at the same time because Fletcher had the injury last year. And then, you know, Malik comes back. Week one, Fletcher comes back into the lineup, and that's when Malik gets hurt. So today we got to see these guys on the field together at the same time, live action, both very, very active, as we'll talk about a little bit later. But Malik, um, this one, this uh, you, you, know, you guys know how sometimes in, like, uh, team periods during training camp, like, Sacks can be a little bit tough to judge sometimes. Sometimes they let the quarterback play through. This one, everybody saw, like, yep, that was Malik. Like, Malik blew through the offense. It was like a great athletic pass rush move, quick little uh, chop move, ripped through contact, and got there and tagged uh, Carson Wentz in the back. Uh, Really, as he was dropping back to throw, I mean, it was very, very quick. Um, Really just cool to be able to see those two guys line up against each other, or line up next to each other, I should say, in Malik Jackson and Fletcher Cox. And that's not even with that with uh, that's without Javon Hargrave, which is you know even scarier, I think. I'll just say there, Malik Jackson spoke to the media yesterday, and he talked about how he's become like the forgotten man in this rotation, so to speak. You know, everyone talks about Fletcher, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro selection. You bring in Hargrave; he was the big-ticket free agent acquisition. Of course, Slay was brought in by trade. But in terms of signing guys, Hargrave was a big one. You know, Malik Jackson, you know, had that – he played for the Super Bowl Bronco, Broncos team in 2015, uh, had the huge year uh, with Jacksonville in 2017, made the Pro Bowl. But his playing time decreased in 18, you know, came to Philadelphia and only played one game before getting hurt. He's 30 years old now. I think you've always, you guys both have talked about just how physically imposing he is. You know, he's one of those off-the-bus – type of guys but we haven't seen that here in Philadelphia it's really a show me time for Malik Jackson I think he's a bit inspired to say you know he had a lot of time to reflect a lot of time to you know spend with his daughter to to kind of think about what he wants um the rest of his football career to be like and he's not done that's the biggest thing for him is he's in great shape and ready to go and we're seeing it in training camp so uh, after that sack, it's now third and very long. And the offense, you know, again, the defense has the momentum. They've had a couple big stops already in the scrimmage. Carson Wentz bounces back two straight big completions to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Both of them were outstanding throws, outstanding catches. Uh, the first one was diving along the sideline. Uh, he was lined up, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, lined up against Devontae Maddox. It was like a deep out route. Maybe it might have been a comeback route. It was tough for me to tell just you know, being able to watch uh, from the sideline. But – uh, a diving catch ball was on the money, um, but you know uh, JJ had to go to the ground to make the catch. Comes down both feet in bounds. It was an awesome throw, awesome catch. Very next play after moving the sticks, he goes back in that direction. Carson was pressured uh, off his left side and had to basically kind of throw this up to JJ. Essentially, it was double coverage. The safety by the time the ball was thrown was already in the area, so uh, it's two on one at the catch point. And J.J. showing off that, uh, that basketball background, goes up, comes down with a jump ball for another big play. And then the offense goes down. They kind of matriculate the ball after that and end up scoring a touchdown. But I thought that was awesome to see the, defense, the offense in a hole and then two huge catches for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside uh, on that left side of the, uh, the Eagles offense. 
you know, the body control, the balance, the strong hands, those are all things that were as advertised coming out of Stanford. We know he's not going to blow past defenses. He's not, a, you know, a true speed burner vertical threat. But to see the confidence in the hands, the aggressiveness, the body control, you had mentioned that basketball background, really good balance going up and get that ball over the smaller Avante Maddox and Rodney McLeod. And he's going to be able to go up over some smaller defensive backs. I love seeing that confidence. Yeah, it was just it was just cool. We talked about this earlier in the week about, you know, where is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside going to be in the pecking order when he comes back from this injury? And then we saw uh, at that, you know, basically that walkthrough the other day uh, on Wednesday. Okay, well, he's working with the starters. All right, now let's see what happens when the, you know, when the, when it becomes a little bit more urgent. Yesterday he had some big catches. I talked about he had a drop late in practice, but he had some catches uh, in one-on-ones and team periods. And then today he had a couple of huge receptions. Had a, he had a touchdown later in the day. Um, just really great to see uh, JJ, you know, uh, having a, you know, starting to build multiple days on top of each other. And not to be overlooked, man, Carson Wentz is one of the best, most accurate throwers on the move. Yep. While just being mobile, his feet moving, not set, and the ability to throw the ball, not only going right, but going left as well. It's really the flat-footed stuff in the pocket we want to see him clean up, but his ability to make these throws outside the pocket on the run. It's very, very impressive. That's why I'm intrigued as to what guys like Rich Gangarello and Andrew Briner, those guys are going to help bring to the offense because I think it's quite evident that Wentz is so, so darn good on the move. Do we see more of those design rollouts, those those throws that we can get them outside the pocket to be able to take advantage of that athleticism, that arm strength, and just give defenses something else to think about? So um, Nate Sudfeld actually talked today about um, what that offensive meeting room is like now, and he just said it's just great conversation. You know, it's just very great philosophical discussions because you have all these different minds. You added Marty Morningweg with with his experience as well, and just a lot of smart minds. He praised Press Taylor for, you know, he, he said he's even more confident, you know, taking on ownership of his additional duties this year, um, but just praised Scandarell for what he's bringing to the offense. Sudfeld is just very, very excited. It's just, it's just little things, just little nuances that maybe like, you know, that you guys will be able to pick out that, that most casual fans won't, but nonetheless can make a huge difference for the offense this upcoming season. Now you mentioned Sudfeld. And as I mentioned, the, uh, the last drive ends in a touchdown. Carson Wentz uh, able to finish the drive after those big completions to Ortega Whiteside. Sudfeld now comes onto the field on the very next drive, and it's kind of the same thing. They go, they end up going third and long, a couple negative plays, so it's third and a mile. Sudfeld makes his best throw of the week by far on third down, and it was very, very similar to the first throw from Carson to Ortega Whiteside. This time it went to the tight end. Caleb Wilson and again it was like a deep out route or a comeback route something along those lines along the left sideline the near sideline closest to where the media was and well he puts this on the money with a blitzer in his face because they had the, the defense had sent pressure so he's got a, a defender bearing down on him and he puts this ball right on the money it was a really awesome throw like right away like in my notes I'm right like exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point like great throw from Nate Sudfeld to Caleb Wilson this time is so important for Sudfeld because Doug Pearson came out and reiterated that Sudfeld is the number two quarterback. And look, Jalen Hurts has turned eyes in camp and he's impressing everyone with his intangibles, his athleticism, his touch on his deep passes, just very, very impressive up front. But Sudfeld is here. He knows his offense. He's been in this scheme for a number of years now. But at the same time, even though Sudfeld was the backup quarterback 
in the Super Bowl win over the Patriots, he just doesn't have a ton of actual in-game experience. And it seemed like last year was going to be his chance to, you know, take control of the preseason and be the number two guy. And he fractured his wrist uh, late in the first half in the game against the Titans. They have to bring on Josh McCown. And that kind of, you know, pushed Sudfeld to the back burner until the end of the year. Sudfeld's on a one-year deal. He understands that, look, in a, in a perfect world, Carson Wentz plays all 16 games, all the playoff games, and you never see Sudfeld except for mop-up duty, maybe in the fourth quarter of games. But he wants to eventually be a starter. This is really his time to shine. He's got to make the most of these opportunities because even though he's the primary backup now, he just doesn't have a lot of real game reps. Yeah, and honestly, we'll, we'll get to this in a sec. They found a way to kind of get him some more even uh, higher, higher urgency reps uh, later uh, in the day. So um, after that big completion to Caleb Wilson, uh, the Eagles gave the ball to Elijah Holyfield a handful of times right in a row. Elijah Holyfield, uh, I would say probably it looks like the fourth running back uh, on the depth chart right now at this point. Again, with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott both on the sideline, Corey Clement getting the majority of the looks with the ones. So that bumps up Elijah Holyfield, Michael Warren, and Adrian Killens uh, as well there in the backfield. But Holyfield uh, touches the ball. He's just a really physical runner, and you, you, you expect that with his background. That kid's rocked up. Uh, I mentioned that earlier this week. Really looks the part. Um, but he's a really physical runner. First run, uh, it, I think it was to the left side. Uh, Kayvon Wallace comes downhill, avoids a block from uh, Jordan Mailata. I was watching him. They, they leaked Mailata out to like the second or third level. And that kid, he's just so big and so athletic. You can't, like, not see a man that large at full speed in the open field. You can't miss him. Um, Kayvon found a way to miss him. Found a way to duck through the, <laughs> duck through the block and, and makes the stop along the sideline. Holyfield's going full speed. Wallace going full speed. It was just a really big collision along the side. Both guys got right back up. Um, it was, that was really good to see. Uh, Will Parks had a nice tackle on Holyfield in the flat going the opposite way. Uh, Sean Bradley uh, got him down on third down. So um, that brings up a 57-yard field goal for Jake Elliott. Stroke, like stro- right through the uprights. Like, uh, and everybody on, the, on both sides. Line, like, I Jim Schwartz like screaming over, like, you know, great shot, great shot, Jake. Uh, a bunch of those guys. Uh, all told, I'm like, great job after the kick, which is great. It was great to that. I kind of like did a double take. I was like, whoa, like you just kicked that from the 47. Like that was a, that was a great kick. So <laughs> I love the physicality of the defensive back group, Fran. These kids are not shy. There are no finesse players back there. We have a couple guys with some coverage skills, but it's not like these are converted corners that won't come up and tackle. Right. Whether it's Jalen Mills, Rodney McLeod, Will Parks, the young kid Kayvon Wallace, who is an excellent tackler at Clemson. These kids are all fearless coming downhill. And yeah, occasionally a running back may get the better of them out on the sideline. But these kids are coming down confident and aggressive, which you absolutely love to see from defensive backs. So from the special team standpoint, Dave Phipp talked to the media earlier today. And one reporter brought the fact that in his previous press briefing, you know, about a week or so prior, he wasn't asked a single question about the specialists. You know, you come into the season, you have a punter who's setting all the Eagles team records in Cameron Johnson. Jake Elliott had a terrific rookie season. I think he had his first 16 attempts last season to open the year. Uh, has been exceptionally strong. And you have Rick Lovato, who's just rock solid, went to the Pro Bowl last season. Just how comforting it is that you can go to bed at night and know that your top three guys, those, those key specialists, are all entrenched and you don't have to have a concern. There's no, there's no competition for any of them in camp this year. Yep. That's a, that's a great point. And all three guys, uh, you know, certainly have, have not really made any big errors so far uh, early in camp. Um, all right. So big field goal from Jake Elliott. That brings the first team units from both sides back out in the field, but 
know Carson Wentz. They tell Carson, hey, stay over the sideline. Nate Sudfeld, come out here. You're going to run this drill uh, with the ones. Didn't go great for the offense. They go three and out, highlighted by a sack on third down uh, from Malik Jackson, who um, I actually was kind of keeping an eye on him uh, on the – just because, like, he gets – he's one of those guys – and, Ben, like, I know you see, you see this when you're watching, like, some defensive linemen, like, when it's a passing down, you can just tell, like, their body language. Like, he is all coiled up, like, ready to go. Uh, flew off the ball, collapsed the pocket uh, from the right side of the defense, um, you know, forced Nate out of the pocket, gets off his block, chases Nate down, and gets the sack. So he got the pressure, forced him out of the pocket, then was able to finish, and then Doug Peterson uh, blew it dead as he came within the grasp uh, of Nate Sudfeld. So a uh, big sack there from Malik Jackson to uh, force Sudfeld out of the pocket, which was, uh, again, good to see. Yeah, that first step quickness, which you see clearly on those third and medium, third and long situations where he doesn't have to read the run. I just love Malik and the fact he could win for himself up the field. He's really athletic in the games and the stunts. He could spend some time at defensive end, like C-Mac mentioned yesterday, he's done in his career as well. Just a really interesting piece. And then somehow, you know, being so excited about that interior trench group without mentioning Hargrave and Hassan Ridgeway and Fletcher Cox and really exciting deep group this year. Real quick, and I'm going to go a little off tangent here. Okay. How about the jerseys with the yeah. special Aaron G. Green? And, you know, did that add a little flash at all? Yeah. What, can, I, can, I, can I say something from a selfish standpoint? Of course. It made it impossible to read the jersey numbers from the blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which typically happens when you've got, like, the glossy jersey. They look awesome. Like, they look fantastic. Uh, when the guys are close, it's like uh, – it's a really slick-looking jersey. Um, they just made it when you're from like far away, you're like, was that 63 or 66? Is that 52 or 50? Like you can't tell uh, half time. I'm going off like some of the other peripherals with some of these guys uh, as we're trying to figure out in the stands who made a, who made a play, but um, no, the jerseys look, they look slick. They're really, so really it, it's also reminiscent because when they would have the uh, military practices yeah, at the thing. stadium, yeah, same you thing. can't read the jersey numbers, but to note that the players are going to sign their jerseys and they will be available for auction through the 2020 Eagles Radiothon beginning in September. So keep an eye out. So yeah. uh, again, the Carson Wentz, one of a kind of red practice Jersey with a special energy green numbers. He will sign it. You can have it. Any Eagles fan or any fan out there can have it. So make sure to keep an eye on that in the yeah. next couple of weeks. The jerseys are really, really slick looking. They're really sharp. Um, all right. So, uh, the benefit of Nate Sudfeld getting the reps with the first team was that we got to see Jalen Hurts in this scrimmage situation working with the second team. So um, he comes out in the field. Uh, I'll tell you what, the very first play, uh, he hands the ball off to Adrian Killens, who got work uh, as well with the, with the second group here uh, in this situation. Rudy Ford, huge stick downhill. It's, Killens is just like a small guy. So if, you, if, you, if someone gets a hold of him, he goes down and he goes down hard and Rudy Ford uh, had a nice stick on him. A couple of the other young DBs were able to get on the action. Ben, to your point, just it's a really physical group. Rudy Ford, another one of those guys, former college corner at Auburn who made the move to safety. Um, you know, he was, a, he, he brought it downhill, uh, which was good to see, which was really funny. And it seemed like I, was, I thought about it because you just said uh, Carson Wentz's red Jersey in this drill. Okay. Uh, on a couple of the plays, you know, roll out of the pocket, Jalen Hurts outside, he's on the move. Instead of throwing it, he takes off, and he picks up, you know, like eight, nine yards. He was good. Two or three times he did it early on. And the defensive line starters that are, like, on the sideline, you know, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, all those guys, they all start screaming at Hurts, and they're like, hey, you better throw it. Hey, take that red jersey off and give him a green jersey. Give him a green jersey. You got to throw the ball at some point. So they were all, like, ragging on him a little bit. 
uh, which was funny to see. But uh, the defense got the last laugh because a um, couple pass breakups, there was, a, there was like a blitz and somebody tipped it uh, on the way in. And then TJ Edwards on third down had a nice pass breakup uh, in the middle of the field. So you're talking about TJ Edwards playing uh, on passing down. So it was uh, good to be able to see that. So um, it was just – that was a funny uh, kind of back and forth between the defensive starters kind of rat- – and they – because the defense had so much success today – like they were, they were chirping nonstop. Like <laughs> Adrian Killens would be back there, like kicking punt returns with like the thirteen punt return unit, and they're like ragging on them when the ball's in the air. Like they, they had, they had some fun today. It was, it was there's a ball. confidence and a swagger with that defensive group. They're loud. They like to let you know about it. But as far as the offensive side of the ball, I love the cross training of the different different units because without the you know, the joint practices without the preseason games. I got news for you. There's a lot of things that go down on the sidelines of those third and fourth preseason games, especially in the second half. You're calling in for body. Somebody's hurt. You're coming in and playing a position you've never played before, maybe next to a guy you've never seen. You need to get through all those different experiences and situations in camp now and in practice to try to cover all your bases. So if something happens at the drop of a hat in a regular season game, you're prepared for it. You've worked with the people to the left, to the right of you, maybe a quarterback taking center exchanges. You've never you know, had your hands under his butt. You've been working with the other two centers. So trying to come up with all those different chemistry fixes in camp is really important. And I love seeing that. I remember the Patriots did that six, seven years ago. It was one of the first plays of camp. Tom Brady goes to the snap. All of a sudden, he blows the whistle and says, Brady, you're hurt. Hoyer, get in there. Just like a game, if something happens, yep. how does everybody react? And making sure everybody is ready. So I love seeing the on the drop of the hat, hey, Nate Sudfeld, you're with the ones. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, that's, I think those kind of situations, uh, you need to be able to put those guys in there and, and kind of figure it out and let, and let them work. I said that, what was it, two, two days ago when Jalen Hurts got those reps uh, during just that one session with the second unit for that same reason, right? You're, you're just trying to, uh, you know, kind of uh, throw those guys for a loop a little bit and say, all right, you know, buckle the chin strap, time to go. Um, and that was certainly one of those scenarios. Uh, guys, one thing I also mentioned, I think I talked about this on the day of the walkthrough on Wednesday, um, the energy that Will Parks brings to special teams. All right, so it's after that second team unit. Uh, the, the, the offense is forced to punt. TJ Edwards gets the pass breakup. Punt unit comes out. Will Parks lines up for the punt return team as a jammer on the right side, near sideline, along the defense, right along the media destroys Robert Davis. Like, Robert Davis was the gunner, tries to get his release on the outside. Will Parks rides him, like, three yards deep into the sideline, along the bench, amongst the rest of the defense, in the enemy territory, and the whole defense goes nuts. Davis couldn't get off the block, and the defense all, like, jumps up and down for Will Parks. Uh, it was just cool to see. And, again, I feel like Will Parks is just one of those guys that you, that you want to have in your building. Defense, special teams, uh, does a lot of different things for you. He's a little deceptive, Fran. He's a little wiry, a little thin in the legs and those arms. But, man, he is fearless. He'll come down and thump you. He spent a lot of time in the middle of the field as that nickel safety position for the Denver Broncos. Can even come down and be a dime linebacker. So a guy that may only be six foot 190. But I'm telling you, he packs more of a punch than he lets on. Really yeah, tough. He's yeah. really tough. Come on. Uh-huh. No question. He had a couple, couple really nice tackles uh, today during uh, the scrimmage. Now, that did end, like, the official scrimmage part of it. And basically what they did after that was they did, like, a handful of other team periods where it was, like, uh, red zone, short yardage. They did backed up. Just a couple of plays that I want to hit on. 
A um, couple great throws from Sudfeld in the next couple team periods. He threw a nice back shoulder throw to Robert Davis, uh, a deep ball to Marcus Green over Craven LeBlanc. Perfect throws uh, in both those situations. The one to Green was one of the best deep balls uh, of camp so far. He hit him right in stride, uh, which was awesome. Uh, in the backed up period. So the backed up is when the offense is working off their own goal line, working out. So their own one yard line. Uh, Rodney McLeod stepped in front of a Carson Wentz pass. He would have been able to walk in. He would have caught the ball at like the four yard line. Uh, it was in the flat. And ball just went right through his hands. And the whole defense let him hear it afterwards, which was really funny. Um, even like – it was like minutes later because that was on first down. So it was like four or five plays later. Uh, he comes back to the sideline, and they're still getting on him afterwards. And he's just sitting there with both of his hands on his head like, I can't believe I dropped it. Uh, and then Hassan Ridgeway, shortly afterwards, uh, got into the backfield, uh, quick pressure, forced another near interception down the field this time. So Hassan Ridgeway uh, continuing to show up. I don't know if you guys want to comment on any of those, but I thought those were the of the, the rest of the team periods after that. Um, those were the plays that stood out to me. It just seemed like the defensive line was just making life miserable for the offense. It just really seemed like they dominated the, the latter part of practice there. So, which, again, it's the engine that drives the defense. It's, it's great to see. I mean, you, and you love seeing the depth and the, the number of guys who are, are getting home. So, obviously, you know, tough day for the offensive line. But, you know, they'll, they'll have theirs. It's, it's the ebb and flow of training camp here. So, Fran, five days of camp under your belt here. We obviously have two more weeks to clean things up. But any sort of overall reflections on how the team has been offense, defense, and how that may project to the early parts of the season? There's a lot of conversation. Will the play be sloppy to start the year? A lot of penalties. Will offensive lines be, you know, have cohesion to start the year? I feel like we've seen the defense just a little bit of an edge each day. And that may be how the season starts for a lot of teams. Defense is just a little bit faster. Offense is still working on their communication and all those finer tuning of the passing game. Well, and you know how that is. It usually is that case no matter what in camp. The defense almost always starts like on second base while the offense is starting at home plate, right? Like that's almost how it always goes. And then the offense will catch up. Um, That's typically how it goes. Now, I would say the offense has certainly had its day uh, or has had its moments uh, throughout the course of the first week. Uh, The defense – definitely has looked pretty good. And really the, the final drill of the day was the two minute drill. So after they finished uh, red zone and backed up and short yardage, third down, they go to the two minute situation. And basically here's the, so I, I'm listening to Doug Peterson. He's talking to the coaches and players. All right, 58 seconds left on the clock. And they got the clock in the far end zone, 58 seconds left. Offense has it first and 10 from their own 45, one timeout. They only need a field goal to win. So they need, uh, we'll say 30 yards, uh, to, you know, in 58 seconds with one timeout. So, First team offense, first team defense. How are they going to make this work? First down, Josh Sweat, quick win on the inside. He lines up at right defensive end uh, against Andre Dillard, is able to beat him. I couldn't see what the exact move was, guys, but I know that he won inside, and I know that he won quick. He was back there by the time Carson reached the top of his drop, and he comes away with the sack, which was cool because, um, you know, Vinnie Curry has gotten the majority of the reps with the starters on the right side. Um, Josh Sweat, we continue to see develop over the last couple of years, uh, certainly made a, a nice stride. Last year, I thought, um, yeah, mostly off the left side. So we're seeing him off the right side. He was ill yesterday, so missed practice. So just seeing him come back and get that big play in that moment, the defense was psyched. They were lit on the field, on the sideline. Those guys were, uh, were really, really excited for him. And that just kind of got things going because uh, after the sack on first down, Fletcher Cox gets into the backfield from the opposite side, uh, forces a timeout. So, yeah, you got two sacks on two plays for the defense. Third and very long, Carson Wentz. Gets a little dump off to Corey Clement. Uh, they try and make it like fourth and manageable. Fourth down, Malik Jackson gets in the backfield. And this time, 
he gets home for a sack. So four dropbacks for Carson Wentz in the two-minute drill, three sacks for the defensive line. It was a uh, really impressive performance for the Eagles' D-line. I don't know, uh, it, uh, you know if you guys have anything to add on top of that, but it was, uh, it was, it was just cool. And, again, you look at it two ways, right? You look at it and you're like, oh, man, like well, how did the offense give up uh, three sacks and four plays? Or you look at it and say, like, man, like, like the D-line got after it today. They had three sacks and four plays in a two-minute drill. Um, you know, and that's the, that's the coin of training camp, though. I feel like that next unit coming in in that same period had some similar issues on the offensive side with the penalties, maybe a protection bust or two as well. You know, it's just it seemed just like a little bit of that offense is kind of still putting things together. The defense is just a step faster. And then the next two weeks, they'll typically even themselves out. Yeah, that was the thing. Like offensively, with the next one, that second team comes out, and Ben, you kind of alluded to it. Was uh, you know they they got a completion early, then you had a false start penalty, um, you know, and then you had two straight sacks where uh, basically the defense the defense kind of came in almost like basically unblocked. And so like you you know how it is. Like if we if we're watching it on film, you can kind of break it down and figure out like all right, like uh, was the protection blown? You know, was it on the on one of the offensive linemen? Was it on the quarterback? Like was it on a running back in the backfield? Like how did this happen? But two straight plays, a defensive end came off the, left, the right side, the offensive right side, and was completely unblocked. And it's like, all right, well, what happened here, guys? And, and regardless of what happened, it created fourth and a mile. And now Hassan Ridgway comes up, ends the, ends the day uh, with a sack. So Hassan Ridgway uh, continuing to show up in a big moment. Um, I would say that the difference between the two groups, even though like, it was, the end result was the same. I mean, the offense gave up three sacks on both, uh, with both uh, first team and second team. The second group, it was more mental breakdown, it felt like, whereas the defensive line of that first group, Sweat, Cox, and Malik, all those guys won clean off the ball and was able to get in the backfield, where it wasn't necessarily like, oh, that was a blown protection or sloppy from that standpoint. Um, certainly things that they want to get better at, though, for sure. I'm just foaming at the mouth at the thought of you had a Hargrave to the mix. It's just yeah. like, you know, of course, you're hoping to see it all come together at some point here. You may have to wait until the start of the season for that, you know, with Hargrave being out multiple weeks with that upper body injury. But, you know, just, again, when you see this stuff on paper and you think if it all comes together perfectly, it could be a beautiful thing. Really could be a beautiful thing here. No and, Fran, after a sequence like that down in the red zone, what's, like, the audible tone from some of the coaches after maybe a sloppy session from the offense? Is there clear frustration with that group and uh, maybe, uh, you know, emphasizing the details? Or is this all kind of, hey, we'll get it on film and we'll correct it and move forward? You know, what's the tone uh, from the coaches on down? Yeah, it definitely seems more of the latter, right? Like, it wasn't like guys, like, getting screamed at and getting dressed down in front of, uh, you know, like out in the practice field. But, um, you know, the guys are definitely frustrated when, when things don't – it's the same thing when uh, the offense has a few big plays in a row. You know, defensively, the guys are kind of looking around like, all right, what's going on here? Um, you know, offensively, you could tell that there was a little bit of frustration. But, you know, it's just one of those things, one of those days, and they'll uh, you know, try and bounce back here on Sunday. Guys, this was uh, – it was a fun practice, though. And, again, if you, uh, if you haven't got a chance to, make sure you go check out uh, my full notes. I think kind of diary format on Friday. You can check that out on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles mobile app. Again. No practice on Saturday, so Ben, uh, C-Mac, and I will get together on Sunday afternoon. We'll do another one of these uh, after the Eagles practice on Sunday down at the Novacare Complex. Until then, guys, appreciate you for joining us once again here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade.
Great stuff from Ben and Chris. You can follow just like I do on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. That's Ben Fennel, two N's, two L's, and at CMAC Eagles. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know, I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. I want to give a shout out to somebody who did just that. Uh, thumbs up went on and left a five-star review and said excellent behind the scenes coverage of Eagles training camp the view inside the one-on-one matchups on the offensive line gave us a first-hand look at the battles that matter in the trenches particularly interested in Andre Dillard and Hassan Ridgeway's progress typically enjoyed the X's and O's in this podcast but had to leave a review after the review of the camp matchup. So, uh, yeah, we talked about it earlier, right? We talked about Hassan Ridgeway. Obviously had the big play at the end of the day. He really has come along uh, really all every single day. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, made big plays in all of those practices, looked good in one-on-ones. Uh, Andre Dillard has looked pretty good. I mean, he, he still needs to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more technically sound. But overall, uh, I thought I think he's been fairly impressive just being able to watch him. Obviously, we know he's got the athletic traits, but uh, continues to do nice things in one-on-one drills. You can tell that he's gotten stronger. He's holding up a little bit better uh, against those bull rushes, doing a nice job there on the left side. So uh, it's been fun being able to watch those guys. A lot of young linemen uh, to be able to watch. And not that they're all, you know, obviously Pro Bowl caliber players yet, but just watching those guys develop and, you know, seeing the coaching from Jeff Statlin and from Matt Burke on both sides of the ball has been a lot of fun over the first uh, five days of practice, which is crazy to say that we're already five days into this. So uh, thanks so much to to Thumbs Up for leaving the review, leaving the question, uh, and we were able to uh, comment on that here at the end of the show. And again, if you've got a question, you go on. We can answer them all here uh, on the the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast podcast fueled by Gatorade. So that being said, we are back, not tomorrow, not Saturday, but we are back Sunday uh, for more Eagles training camp practice. Cannot wait to bring you the latest here next time on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade for everybody here at the Duffy House. I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you tomorrow.